Welcome and thank you for joining us on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption with Kelly Rourke Scary and me, Ron Rains, where we delve into the issues of adoption from every angle of the adoption triad. Do what's best for your kid and for yourself because if you can't take care of yourself, you're definitely not going to be able to take care of that kid and that's not fair. And I know that my daughter will be well taken care of with them. Don't have an abortion. Give this child a chance. All I could think about was needing to save my son. My name is Kelly Rourke-Scary. I am the executive director, president, and co-founder of Building Arizona Families Adoption Agency, the Donna K. Evans Foundation, and creator of the You Before Me campaign. I have a bachelor's degree in family studies and human development and a master's degree in education with an emphasis in school counseling. I was adopted at the age of three days, born to a teen birth mother, raised in a closed adoption, and reunited with my birth mother in 2007. I have worked in the adoption field for over 15 years. And I'm Ron Raines. I've worked in radio since 1999. I was the co-host of two successful morning shows in Prescott, Arizona. Now I work for my wife, who's an adoption attorney, and I'm able to combine these two great passions and share them on this podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, make sure to rate and review us on whatever platform you use to listen to us and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Look for AZ Adopt Podcast. Today, I want to revisit the topic of drugs, drug abuse, the prevalence of drugs in society, and really the impact that we're watching it repeatedly have on adoption situations. Mm -hmm. When I was going through my master's degree, I was required to take a drug and alcohol class to learn how to counsel people through it and to learn the responses of people as they're doing drugs, you know, the whole bit. They wanted you to really immerse yourself in understanding what people are going through, why they choose drugs, Mm -hmm. what addiction is like. They discussed the philosophy of alcoholism and drug use being a disease and so forth. And I found the class very interesting. It was a master's of a class and the instructor, she was recovering. Mm -hmm. You know, she had had um, her own issues with drugs and alcohol. And at the time I was, you know, absolutely, I don't want to say naive, but I I was definitely, you know, I was in my twenties and I hadn't experimented to this day. I still haven't with drugs. So I I wasn't coming from it from the same angle that she, you know, that she had. Right. And I found it very interesting. And the reason I'm, I'm talking about this today is because there are so many adoptive families that are coming into adoption with a notion of, you know, they're not interested in, in being matched with a birth mother that is using drugs. And so this episode is not geared to change anybody's mind. It is to provide a light in the darkness. I want to share what I've learned in all my years of being a social worker. Mm -hmm. And when we're dealing with adoptions, where drug use really comes into play, what we're seeing still, you know, where adoptive families aren't understanding what this really is and why it's now so prevalent You know, when we first started the agency back in 2004, I would say maybe 40% of our clients were using drugs at that time. And right now, I would say it's more than double that. Really? You think it's up to where about like 80%? At least. And so I think because of that, 
and, and I can tell you that, you know, our numbers are no different than any other numbers across the United States mm-hmm. regarding adoption agencies. It's, it's the same, um, you know, obviously we have, we speak to other agencies in other states and other counties, and they're seeing the same things that we are. So I want to kind of go back to the beginning and some things that I've learned and then things that I'm seeing and responses that, you know, adoptive families have had and where we really need to go as a society when we're dealing with adoption and birth moms that are using drugs and maybe revisiting this topic over and over again, maybe we'll be able to shed more light so that we can erase some of the fears Mm -hmm. that adoptive families have and increase a level of understanding and empathy. So when I was in the, uh, the class, the drug and alcohol class um, for my master's degree, one of the requirements was that you went to uh, two AA meetings. Now I had never been to an AA meeting. I'm not an alcoholic, but you were supposed to attend two because they wanted you to see what these meetings were like. And I thought that made a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. And having no knowledge of them, uh, the first one I, I remember going into and sitting down and it was, it was pretty full. The first one I went to was in um, like a, I guess they rented out a room in a building. And so it was anonymous. Uh, I don't think it was anyone else's first time because everybody kind of seemed to know everybody else. Mm -hmm. And I can see why those meetings are very helpful for other people. What I found and was so surprised by the first time that I went was the gentleman next to me was reeking of alcohol. I mean, it was so strong. And I went back to my teacher the next day and I asked her, I said, you know, why, why is he at an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting when he's intoxicated? Right. And she said, because you don't have to be clean and sober, you just have to have the desire to do so. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that. And so I found that fascinating that, so I thought that actually was very encouraging because people aren't often always at the place of being clean and sober. They need help to get to the place of being clean and sober. Mm -hmm. And he was looking for the support to try and go in that direction. And and, right. The mentorship and, and Mm -hmm. the, yes, the support and seeing the positives of the people who had crossed that bridge before him. So yes. And then the second meeting, um, I I chose a different location because I wanted a different experience Mm -hmm. And that one was much smaller and I got a little nervous because that one, I don't know if there was something about that meeting or what, but they wanted people to share. And I didn't really want people to know that I was there because it was college class. So that was kind of uncomfortable. And I stayed for as long as I absolutely had to. And then I left. So, um, so I didn't want to speak, but I, I learned a lot and took away from the fact that when people want help, there aren't as many resources for people who are kind of in the waiting room, you know, Mm -hmm. when they go into the actual room for rehab and detox, they're there. So you go from people that are actively using to people that are, like I said, in the waiting room and they want to be clean and sober, but maybe they don't really know mentally how to get there. Okay. And then you have the people that are in detox and and rehab. And then after that, you have the people that are trying to maintain and sustain their their sobriety. sobriety. Mm -hmm. So when we have women that come into our program, 
you know, sometimes they come into the program and they have the desire to be clean and sober. And what we have to explain is that there are community resources that we can give you, but we're an adoption agency. Our specialty is adoption. Our goal is to help you with your adoption plan. Mm -hmm. And we're not a rehab facility. We're not, you know, that's not what we're licensed and structured to do. But we always give out the community resources. You know, I've even printed out um, uh, locations and times of AA meetings for women that are interested in going to them. And so we, we have these women that come in and they're pregnant and they're actively using where there seems to be a disconnect sometimes with an adoptive family and a birth mother that's using when the birth mother discloses what drug she's using an adoptive family may think, okay, so she's using this, this, and this. And we explain, you know, this is what she's reporting. It may or may not be everything she's using. We don't personally drug test our moms because one, a lot of women who are actively using and living the street life know how to pass a drug test. So it can give a, a false sense of security for an adaptive. Uh, the other reason is, again, that's not what we're licensed to do. And so oftentimes OBGYN offices will drug test. And when they do, we get the release from the birth mother and we can share whatever information is received with the adoptive family. Some of them don't. In the state of Arizona, if a woman is pregnant and they test positive for drugs, they do have to make a uh, Department of Child Safety report. So that is a deterrent for a lot of OBGYNs to do drug testing because they don't want their client to not return to get the prenatal care. So it, it's really like there's all these walls in society. The law, I'm sure, is supposed to be helping them, but it's not. It's actually hindering the process and it doesn't help anybody. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So again, there are parameters in working with moms that are using drugs. And just because a mom comes into a, uh, an adoption program, and again, this isn't specific to any one agency, whatever drug she's using or not using may or may not consistently be the case throughout her pregnancy. She could stop doing drugs. She could do more drugs. She could continue with the same amount of drugs. Again, right. you don't know. That's just a snapshot. Um, it's not the whole picture, right? Yeah, that's really a good way to say it. Like it, it is just a snapshot. And it's not, um, the other thing that's happening now with, with fentanyl being everywhere is the people that are using drugs on the street may or may not realize that a lot of the drugs are now being cut with fentanyl. And so they may think they're just doing marijuana or heroin or crystal meth and not realize that fentanyl may be a part of it. They may have mixed that in. So when a birth mother is reporting, you know, I'm doing this or this or this, and she doesn't disclose fentanyl, it may or may not be because she's not aware that it's been cut into what she is using. And so there's all of these caveats that we just don't have answers for. Where I think this really impacts adoption is there's so much on the internet about drug use and what happens to babies as they are developing in the womb and the impact and effects that, that drugs can and may have on them. You know, how long are they going to be in the hospital? How long, you know, how long are these drugs going to be in my baby system? And 
you know, it, there's so many factors that it can be really scary for an adoptive family. And I think that when you're choosing to adopt, one thing that's really important to remember is the biological mother of that baby is choosing to place a baby for adoption because she knows she can't parent and she's struggling. It is not easy for a woman to choose adoption and place her baby for adoption. That's not, that's not an easy choice. And if you have somebody that is actively using drugs, a lot of times they're using drugs because they're self-medicating. And so if you have a woman who cannot parent partly because she is um, actively using drugs and even with all of the resources and support and assistance that she gets during her adoption plan, it is still an added stress of doing an adoption. Some relief in the sense that they know that their child isn't going to become a ward of the state and go into the Department of Child Safety. But at the same time, it's still very hard feeling the baby kick and feeling the baby move and, you know, dreaming and wishing that things were different in their life so they could parent. So now you're adding stress on top of stress somebody who's already struggling with drug use and getting off drugs is hard enough for many people, but to expect them to do that during a pregnancy while they are choosing adoption because it's the right choice for them and their baby is almost surreal. Like it's not something that I think is a realistic expectation And it's not something that any agency would ever promote. We would love our moms to be clean. We would love our moms to be able to go into a rehab center, detox safely being pregnant and get off the drugs. Um, We're meeting them where they're at. And we've talked about this before as well. We have to meet them where they are because again, as an adoption agency, Our role is to protect the adoption and to protect the mother's adoption choice and protect the adoptive family's um, adoption involvement and and try to cultivate a relationship if there's an open adoption between the adoptive family and the birth mother. And so what we have seen is adoptive families get very panicked and angry if, if more drug use is disclosed by the birth mother during the course of her pregnancy. And we don't want that to impact the relationship that they're going to have during their open adoption after the adoption happens. And so there's all of these mitigating circumstances of and, and things that can negatively impact an adoption relationship, but at the same time, without you know excusing her drug use, because I'm not doing that in any way, shape, or form, but understanding it. And it's a totally different thing. Right. Understanding something and excusing it are not the same. So understanding where she is and trying to help her and then using the aftercare program to better her life after she places her baby for adoption is so important. One thing that I think that people don't understand is that when a mom goes into a hospital and she delivers the baby and she is actively using drugs and the state comes in because they get called by the hospital, that's one of the laws, and the mom pauses and starts to rethink her adoption plan. It's because again, even though we prepare her that the hospital is going to call when she's holding her baby and she knows she's using drugs and the state comes in and says, well, if you don't do this adoption, we're taking custody of the baby. You have again, 
compounded the issue because right. now this isn't just something that she's selflessly doing. She's now being told, okay, well, you were doing this on your own. This was something that you were lovingly choosing for your baby. Now you're going to do it or we're taking your baby. Yeah, but you're being and, forced. Right. Again, that changes the dynamic. And you can, as an agency, prepare and a birth mother and, and try to work with her and, and let her know. But until she's holding the baby and the, the DCS worker is standing in front of her, it's unimaginable. And so sometimes it does change a birth mother's mind because like I said, it's like somebody came in and shook her head and now she's, she's confused because the DCS worker is saying, Oh no, you can, you can get clean and you can get, you know, you can um, work and you can reunite with your baby and, and you can, and, and so there's all of these factors and we want to make sure that birth mothers understand this in the beginning, but sometimes when it comes down to it, even if you've been told something a hundred times until you're in that moment, you can't imagine what that's going to feel like. Right. When you're actually experiencing, it's almost like anything with life. Somebody can teach you how to play baseball, but until you're actually playing baseball, it's just words. It doesn't mean anything until you're physically there and doing it. Right. So I think the takeaway from, from this episode is really try to be educated by professionals. Try to get your information from credible sources. Talk to other adoptive families that have adopted a drug-exposed newborn. Speak with doctors that, that have dealt with you know, a drug-exposed newborn, and it's, it's a commonality in their practice. Not somebody who every 100th baby that they deal with or uh, provide medicine for is a, is a baby that has been prenatally exposed. I think that the other thing is, is that as a society, we need to understand this drug epidemic more. And we need to really find ways to help people get to and out of the waiting room. Because I think that there's a huge missing piece there. And so I think that if we can kind of understand and wrap our brains around it, I think that we together can make a difference. If you're pregnant and considering adoption, we are here for you and understand what you're going through. We've helped hundreds of women place their babies for adoption, and we want to help you as well. We have a pregnancy crisis hotline available 24-7 by phone or text at 623-695-4112, or you can reach us on our toll-free number at 1-800-340-9665. We can make an immediate appointment with you to get you to a safe place, provide food and clothing, and help you get started on creating an Arizona adoption plan plan or just give you more information. Check out our blogs on our website at azpregnancyhelp.com and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by looking for AZ Adopt Podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, make sure to rate and review us on whatever platform you use to listen to us. Birth Mother Matters and Adoption was written and produced by Kelly Rourke Scary and edited by me. Thanks go out to Grapes for letting us use their song, I Don't Know, as our theme song. Join us next time on Birth Mother Matters and Adoption. For Kelly Rourke Scary, I'm Ron Rains, and we'll see you then.